Welcome back to Open House with Mark Sewick and Corey James Moran, brought to you by the Mark Sewick team at Keller Williams, a Greater Rochester Real Estate Podcast. This is episode 14, The Importance of Interviewing Multiple Agents, which was shocking to me when I learned that this isn't just general practice for everyone. A lot of people actually don't do this. It's just whoever shows up first, I guess they'll do. Yeah. Not a good idea. Kind of we'll dive into it uh, in just a bit as we normally do, but some things to get to first. Of course, want to get you uh, recapped on uh, last week's episode. Uh, discount brokerages and getting what you pay for is ultimately what I ended up titling it. Um, so that is the low commission, no commission, seems like a great deal, but when you go a little bit deeper, you realize this could actually be costing me in the long run. So take a listen to that if you haven't. Uh, Mark, the most exciting thing to cover right now is without a doubt our international listenership update. All right. I sent you Bring a, it on. I sent you the text yesterday. We have not only one new country, we have two ding 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 new countries. Yeah. Look at that. So our pleas have apparently been answered by someone. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the first one, the United Kingdom. Our friends over on the, the pond over there. Cuba, oh, God save the Queen. Yeah, right. Seriously. Have you been over there? Uh, I was there once. I um, I uh, was flying back from Greece to the United States. Ah, okay. And we had an we'll stop in Heathrow. Yeah, um, yeah, and we, we had like a, a nine hour layover in Heathrow. So Perfect. We got in the tube. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, and uh, had a, a walking tour of London. It was really lovely. It's it was cool. beautiful. It's one of my favorite. But, but, but you know our travel philosophy, right? What's that? Our travel philosophy is we for the past Duffy and I um, have for the past twenty years focused on getting all of the really difficult and all of the hard places out of the way. There so you we, go. Smart. Like Patagonia, you know, we've snorkeled through uh, the Galapagos, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. Um, London is on our list, but... It's too easy to get to for pro- Probably, yeah, when I'm 93 years old. Because, <laughs> because you, know, you can do London when you're 93. Sure. You can't You can't hike Patagonia. That makes sense. 90, yeah. no, anyway. That's probably a good strategy. All right, well, as we like to do, when we do add uh, a new country to our listenership, uh, we like to drop some fun facts, or at least okay. I do. Uh, a couple of these, uh, one of them has to do with real estate. Um, but the first one is, did you know that if you live in the UK, the Queen will wish you a happy birthday? I, she does not wish every... Not, every, every, not everyone. Okay. Not everyone. That would take a lot of time. She's not on Facebook <laughs> sending messages to the entire country, no. That, she's got other stuff going on. Uh, but what she does do is, when you turn 100, you used to get a telegram. Now in the modern day, it's actually a personalized card. Wow. Yeah, and it's not just limited to your 100th birthday, by the way. You can apply for one for your 105th, too. And for oh, each, you have to apply? Yeah, you have to send. Well, yeah, she's got to you know, let her know. Oh, Okay. And then you can apply every year after that. She, she doesn't have aides and assistants who just tell I her? I assume they probably... Well, yeah. They, they handle the there, paperwork. There can't be that many people during 100 or 105 in England. It's not oh. that large. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't but know. It's, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely notion. Right. Can you imagine? I mean, have you ever got a birthday card from the president? Christmas cards. Right. Well, look at that. What a flex. Look at that. <laughs> I was I was expecting you to say no. Like, yeah, actually, yeah. I think I yeah, but but no, never never a Christmas, never a birthday. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Obviously, far more personal. Uh, the other fun fact I wanted to bring up about the UK, uh, one of two actually. So this is real estate related. Okay. Mark, do you know how old the oldest home in the UK is? Uh, I'll give you a couple of clues. It's furnished with furniture made of stone. Super comfortable. No, no re- really? <laughs> and it still remains today. <laughs> Throw a number out. Throw a number out. Uh, 500 years old. No, no. no that was, I mean, 1,000 years old. 6,000 years old. Really? Yeah. yeah. Where, where, where is it? 
Uh, that I do not know. I didn't research that deeply. Oh, so yet. you're just teasing us? I just you're just it. making this. Listen, you, use Google if you want to you, find you're out just more. Making this shit up? <laughs> no, I swear. This is uh, this is real according to the list that I, I was Googled. hoping you were going to give us some fun fact about you know like Buckingham Palace or. Uh, Westminster. No, I like to be far more random. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, right. If you haven't caught on, too obvious. You haven't caught on yet. Mm. And then, how about this? I actually, I love this rule. Uh, the first king of England made a law that everyone had to be in bed by 8 p.m. Totally fine with that. I'd be okay with it. Really? It might put a damper on your social life. I know you like to go out for later dinners and things, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but 8 p.m. I'm okay with that. Um, no, that would no, 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 no. I, I want to be in bed by like ten, ten thirty. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, maybe you can alter the the, the rule. Uh, the other country is Argentina. Ah. Yeah. Uh, some quick fun facts on there. They actually invented radio broadcasting, which uh, is my other life. That's great. Argentina is yeah. a beautiful country. Uh, apparently, it also is the highest and lowest point in South America. That's not even a fun fact I provided. That's just something I happen to know for no reason. Oh, that's that's interesting. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't know, I did not know that. But, um, but, but it really, it really is a beautiful. The, the Glacier National Park there is mm-hmm. unbelievable. I mean, it really is. It's on my uh, list. On yeah. my list of things to go to. Um, how about Definitely. this? A couple more. The oh, highest, there's more. I'm sorry. The I'm, hi- I'm like stepping all over. Go, no, go for it. The highest number of plastic surgeries also takes place in Argentina. <laughs> it's true. Yep. Per person in the world, highest per capita. I wonder why that is. Well, okay. apparently it's one of the more looks conscious uh, countries. Okay. There's also some self esteem issues going on there, but we'll just move on past that. I don't offend any of our Argentinian uh, listenership. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, the final one is uh, I'm going to drop some sports knowledge here. Okay. So I don't, have you ever heard of the uh, soccer player, or as they call it in Argentina, uh, football? Yeah. Lionel Messi? Yeah, of course. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Your trainer told you about him. <laughs> <laughs> this is where all markets all of his sports knowledge. Or he's lying. One of the two things. No, no, I, I, I do know who Lionel Messi <laughs> okay. is, but thank you. I wanted to make sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, government officials banned parents from naming their children Messi in the uh, in his hometown. Oh, why is that? I think because too many were doing it because he's like okay, okay. Uh, soccer or football in those those countries there, there was probably insane. A, there was probably I, I do I, I honestly believe, I think there was a similar phenomenon back in the seventies. Uh, I don't think there was any uh, government government edict, but I do believe that Pele yeah. was like an enormous name uh, in, in the seventies. Like a lot of yeah. moms and dads were naming their kids Pele. Well, I mean they so. they idolize like you think that we idolize sports. Uh, players in this country. <laughs> it's good. nothing compared to what yeah. other countries, especially yeah. when it comes to soccer. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you to the UK. Thank you to Argentina. I know you're dying to hear more about Rochester real estate. <sighs> yeah, okay. Yeah, can we start? Sure. Let's dive into it. <laughs> Let's get the, uh, the current uh, update here in the market. So at the time of this recording, there's currently 516 active listings in Monroe County. That's down, actually, a, a decent drop from 540 last week, and then in the six-county region, uh, again, a bit of a drop from 966 last week down to 957 this week. So nothing super drastic, but down a little bit. All right, let's get to our main topic, and uh, this one, it, it kind of has some tie-in with what we talked about last week when it comes to those discount brokerages and just knowing what you're getting when you hire a brokerage or you hire an agent specifically. And that is the importance of interviewing multiple agents. Again, I, it's one of the biggest things that shocked me is the number of people who just say, no, nah, I, I go with the first person. It, it, you wouldn't do that necessarily. Right? There are major, major decisions that one needs to make during the course of their lifetime. If you're diagnosed with a heart condition or cancer, or if you suddenly inherit 
half a million dollars, you know, five million dollars. You you want to get the best that you can. So you're gonna you're gonna research who is the best uh, uh, cardiologist out there. Who is the best financial planner? You should really. This is one of the largest, biggest financial decisions that somebody makes during the course of their lifetime. You need to interview more than one person. Yeah, it comes down to you need someone that you trust. Right. And our, I don't know, I don't, I don't think many of us are trusting of a random stranger that walks off the street. You don't immediately uh, entrust them, right? Usually uh, it takes a little bit of time to build that, but that's kind of how it is. That's an interesting, I'm so glad. Right? Yeah, I'm going to go off topic here just a oh. little bit, but when it is that I'm working, when I'm in, uh, sitting down for the first time with a prospective buyer or seller, and as I then begin working with them, those people who, thankfully, 78% of our business is referral-based. The clients that I'm dealing with or working with who were referred to me, there's almost an instantaneous trust, sure. which is great. Th those who just come to us uh, as a result of you know finding us on the internet or you know, opening up uh, you know, the yellow pages, if you will, um, it takes a little bit longer. Sure. Anyway. Makes total sense yeah. because the the person that was referred to you, obviously someone they know vouched for you. Yes. And they trust that person. Yep. So inherently that trust is transferred over to yes. you. Uh, but again, as you mentioned, yeah, for someone that maybe it comes from like an online lead, um, maybe you find them on the internet or you just Googled who is the best. Uh, yeah. You, you don't quite know yet. And, and we talk about all the time on the podcast is how big of a relationship just industry real estate is. It's enormous. And we talk a lot about the efforts that we go through after the transaction to remain in touch with our clients because yeah. we genuinely like the bulk of the majority of our clients. We really do enter into a really strong relationship with them. You're probably, I, I would I would venture to guess as you were putting this podcast together, thinking about all of the fiduciary economic reasons why it is. But there, there's a second category of reasons. You just you're entering into a very very uh, stressful time. Yeah, and and, and a, a period of time that has a lot at stake in terms of finances, et cetera. You better enjoy the person you're working with. One hundred percent, and time consuming as well. You're going to be spending most likely a lot of time with your agent. So you would hope that it's a person that you click with and get along with. I, I mean, again, with all the other stressors you're dealing with, the last thing that you want is. You roll your eyes and, ugh, I have to be around this person right. for another uh, showing or another a meeting. Duffy and I actually turned the tables about five weeks ago. Really? We were, we were interviewed by a, a husband and wife who were incredibly, incredibly, incredibly difficult. And we just walked, we did not want to work with them. Yeah. We just knew that our lives were going to be miserable sure. for six weeks. And if, given, given the number of transactions and the number of personalities, the number of clients and the dollar volume of what it is, one bad relationship suddenly clouds your entire day or suddenly oh, clouds yeah. several days. And that impacts too many other things that are going on in your life and the well-being of your other clients. And, and their, so we, we just... We, sorry, we're not interested. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. It, it really is so yeah. important because the trust needs to be there. The relationship needs to be it built. It needs to be reciprocal. Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, so uh, so obviously there's that. And, and I think most of us, I, I don't know, maybe this is just kind of inherent for me, but I feel like I, I can tell pretty quick if it's someone that I'm going to get along with. I, I feel like I get along with most people, um, but you there's get just... Along, you get along with everybody. I try, I try. Dear, dear God. <laughs> 
everybody. I try. I try. <laughs> Some more than others, but yes, but I try to. Uh, but you know pretty quickly. So I think that is more of a, there's no stat that's going to tell you that. That's your gut. Right. And you just kind of got to follow that. Yep. Um, but you're not going to know, oh, I click better with this person than this person if you're only interviewing one. That's right. So let's get into a little bit, maybe some advice um, from you, Mark. Obviously, you've been on the other side of this, but some of the things that when you have these multiple agents, the things you want to ask them that are going to give you the clearest picture of, I want to work with agent A over agent B or C, D, E, F, G. You know, again, you can interview really as many as you like. I think there are any number of important questions, but a big one, well, I'll, I'll dumb it down even more. Are you a full-time agent or no? Mm-hmm. I mean, because there are a lot of part-time agents out there. Sure. How long have you been selling? Uh, how much have you sold? And, and I think it's important that those who are doing the interview actually ask for, can you provide me in writing? Because somebody can say, oh, I sell $15 million right. a year. A billion, right? Yeah, a, a billion dollars. <laughs> I think that clients uh, who are interviewing need to actually see in writing and then where so if somebody wants to interview me to list a home for sale in batavia i will just i will just say you know i don't understand that market i can't help you i Mm -hmm. don't know how to do this uh that's that's very easy but the individual in batavia probably needs this needs that question how much real estate so congratulations mark you're selling 75 million dollars a year in residential real estate how much of that is in batavia sure and my answer is none they should not hire me yep so i just had a, a client that actually finally closed uh just recently after this is the client that i've talked about the 12 offers mm-hmm. it took forever yep. Yep. they actually looked for a year before they went with me Right, because, I remember this. And, and, you know, no shade to the agent they were working with before, but they primarily wanted a house on the east side of town. And he was primarily an agent on the west side of town. And where did he show them properties? On the west side of town. Right. Shocking that yeah. it didn't work yeah. out and they didn't find what they want. Yep. And, and they didn't get an, an offer accepted when they did. Yeah. So that's such a huge factor. There's, again, there's so much in play. Um, some other things. You want to know the experience. You want to know the expertise. And... I mean, having time for you is certainly a huge factor as well. Right. Uh, again, are you a full-time agent? How long have you been selling? Um, do you work weekends? Remarkably, some agents don't work weekends. Really? How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can only imagine how successful they are. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I think one thing, it's it's interesting. I'm not quite certain why this is. But when I'm being interviewed by a prospective seller, I will often ask, who are the other agents that you're interviewing? And, and I'm, not, I'm only trying to be helpful by providing as much information as I can. Sellers very oftentimes don't want to disclose who it is that they're interviewing. Now, from my perspective, I actually think that it's a really good thing for sellers to say, we're interviewing this, th- these three agents. That way I can bring back information and I can say, hey, listen, you know, th- this, this agent is selling $5 million more per year than I am in this town. They're probably a better fit. And sure. we, actually, we actually do this. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or more likely than not, hey, I'm selling $10 million more than anybody else in this, and therefore I think that I'm a better fit. So um, I, I, think that's, I think that's helpful for people to actually share that information. Okay, that, that's big there. Um, this is something that I wanted to bring up because we talk all the time about how many agents are out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people feel pressured to 
give Aunt Susie their business uh-huh. or Uncle Ed or cousin whoever. Um, when it comes to working with family, again, I see the loyalty there and you, and you want to sure. help them out because sure. you know them and there's an established relationship. But still, wouldn't it be a good idea to maybe just have some conversations with some others? Right. I've actually found myself in the position, I just got off the phone with somebody a short while ago, a one, a, an, an old client, I helped her to sell her house. She has a very, very, very close friend she did not use for the sale of that property. It was a $750,000 property. This good friend does not actually sell in that in that, in that ordeal gotcha. in with that market. So so she's now looking to purchase a $250,000 property. She's using her very close, very dear friend. But she she I, I don't think that they're very I, I don't think that she has a lot of confidence in this uh, in this particular uh, uh, agent uh, who happens to be a good friend. So I'm on the sidelines coaching her along the way. There, there should be there should be that kind of relationship that exists. You, you just want to create relationships. If you're really good at what you're doing, you're looking at the long game and right. you're trying over the course of years to just do the right thing on behalf of as many people as possible because you just never know when it is that the phone's going to ring. Totally. Absolutely. And they appreciate the honesty. And again, it's so interesting because, again, on the surface, you might look and see, you know, from the buyer side, from, you know, from the seller side, it's a benefit how high it goes for the seller and the seller's agent. On the buyer side, and I've, I've heard this a little bit, and, and I always kind of walk back that the statement of, well, you want it to be really high because your commission's higher. And my response to that is, no, I don't want you to overpay because then you're not going to tell anyone you know to use me. Right. So your commission this one time around is not worth it to me to eliminate any future business. Thankfully, thankfully, I think that when you start to run through the math, yep, I, I am so wily and so desperate for additional income that I caused you to buy this property $10,000 more than it's actually worth. That translates into your pocket, my one hundred and fifty dollars. Right. That's an additional one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Uh, nobody's repu- well. Maybe I'll speak for ourselves and our team. Nobody on our team is is willing to risk uh, sullying their reputation over one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Just not interesting. Right. Because it's so. it's even more than that. it's not just uh, whoever they know, but it's whoever they know that they know that they know. Because right, right, if right, word gets right. out there that so and so totally screwed me over, well. Yes. Next thing you know, things can get pretty ugly yep, on our end. Yep. So it's just not worth it. Um, speaking specifically for a seller, um, the importance of interviewing multiple agents to get an idea of what to even list for. Because, again, it's not an exact glad, science. Everyone kind of does it differently. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought this up. So I, I think the biggest advice that I would give to sellers who are interviewing prospective uh, agents, do not in any way whatsoever indicate what it is that you want to sell your property for. Uh, people will say, oh, well, you know, Zillow says that it's worth $250,000, and I think that's low. Well, what that seller is doing is ensuring that every agent they interview is going to give them a number over $250,000. Right. And the property might be worth $225,000. You know, actually, this is, there's a great corollary to that. I often tell people, you want to find, you want to make two decisions when you're interviewing. This is probably one of the biggest pieces of information. You want, as a seller, uh, to interview agents and decide on two things. One, who is the most qualified based on how much they've sold, how long they've been doing it, what their marketing plan is. We'll talk about marketing plan in just a few minutes. Sure. Who's the most qualified? That's one decision you make. And then based on the information that you've gotten from two or three different agents, 
you then determine what you're going to list the property for. Because the agent that you choose because they're the most qualified may actually have the lowest number. Right. But that that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're going to sell it for any less. It, it Perhaps it means that they're simply being honest with you. And the other two agents, it's calling, it, within the industry, it's called buying a listing. And right now there are, in the six-county region, approximately 900. Is, Somewhere around there, yeah. yeah. Uh, 900 or so listings, and there are 3,400 agents. That means that 2,500 agents have no listing whatsoever. They're just sitting there. They're desperate, and I, I don't mean to – I'm not going to solely the entire profession, but there are a lot of agents out there who will simply buy a listing by knowing that it's a $250,000 listing – I can list your property for $285,000, $275,000. So it's very, very, very important for sellers not to disclose what they think the property is worth or what they want to list the property for because they are just setting themselves up to be spoon-fed some some bad number. Sir, I actually had a, a, a showing this week where the house has been sitting on the market for two months. Ooh. How does that happen in this current market? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the answer to that question is, it was priced way too high because whoever the agent is probably priced it way too high. Right. I, um, I, I told you last week I lost out on a listing, uh, a two fa- three family, two family, three family in the Park Ave neighborhood. I said that it was a $425,000 listing. Another agent came in, $475,000. It sat for three weeks. The sellers lowered the price to what? $425,000. It sold within 24 hours for, yeah, for yep. a little bit below that. So, And the uh, the importance, too, of, of even asking the question of, all right, well, how did you come to this number? Th- that's very, 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 that's, that's, that's it's kind of important. <laughs> yes, that's very important. Yes. Well, I pulled it out of a hat. <clears throat> I had a dream. Uh, yes. My psychic told me are not answers that you Ooh. want. <laughs> Oh, can I tell you about that? Uh, yeah, please. Yeah, okay. It's, oh, it's story time. <laughs> story time with Mark. No, this this was. Just, <laughs> I had a I had a woman probably about five years ago. She was interviewing several agents, and I lost the listing. Do you know why I lost the listing? Why is that? She told me on the second interview that she is in touch with the other side. Mm. And the spirits on the other side said that I was not the right agent. And I said, you know. You're right. They, th- those those spirits are absolutely right. And I folded up my paperwork and I See ya. I like yep. Yeah, have a great day. I wish you the best of luck. And I got the hell out of there. Yep. Spirits on the other side. Uh, okay. Actually, actually, more specifically, it was her mother. Oh, her mother who was wow. dead told her very directly. Wow. Yes, I, I was making a, a general. No, this was her mother. What What did you do mother. to her mother when she was alive? Vendetta <laughs> kind of against so, you. Yeah. Uh, but yes, going back to how did you come to that number? So we use uh, kind of a mathematical equation to come to ours. Yes. So we actually have proof of this is why we say this. Yes. I mean, I mean it, it is subjective in some ways because yeah. the higher the price point per square foot, it, it all comes down to price point per square foot, but the subjective nature of, of it is, well, is it going to, are you going to sell this property for a very high number price per square foot because it's in great condition or are you going to attribute a very low number per square foot because it needs a great deal of work? So, so there is some subjectivity, of course, uh, but you want to, when sitting, when, when interviewing, I should say, uh, prospective buyers. Find out, as you said, walk through the ma- And if you're interviewing three people, there should be some kind of commonality mm-hmm. in terms of the process by which they're deriving the list price and the numbers that they're, uh, that they're coming up with. It's kind of interesting that it is so wildly different depending on who you talk to. Right? Isn't it? <laughs> Sorry for the long pause, <laughs> but... but uh, <laughs> Oh, oh, all right. I'm just gonna say it. No, it's 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 not surprising to me because I think there are just so. Oh, 
I am just going to be pilloried. <laughs> I think there are so many bad agents out there, and they just don't know what the hell they're doing. Sure. And so I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised by that in any way whatsoever. Uh, but, but it is interesting. You'll hear other agents or you'll hear sometimes uh, sellers say, well, why are you using price per square foot? That's that's ridiculous. Well, it just so happens to be what every bank in the country relies sure. on. It's it's what it is that uh, appraisers are schooled in. So um, so I'm, I'm always, uh, and there's a cor- I keep using the word corollary, but there's another corollary. The, the corollary to that is, but the assessed, I always love seeing in the multiple listing service an agent saying, it's listed for sale below assessed value. <laughs> Well, come on. Yeah. I mean, when the hell was the, was it the last time that the assessor actually walked through a property? I'm all over the place today. So no, no, we'll no, be no. back good, in, Corey. Uh, let's, all right. Let's reel it back in and talk about something you mentioned just a bit ago, okay. a marketing plan. If you ask the person you're interviewing and saying, hey, do you have a marketing plan? And they say, no, uh, probably go on to the next agent. Yeah. Uh, for those agents who are who are listening, and it turns out, I just found out the other day that a lot of agents are listening. Right. Which, yeah. nice. so, so for those who I've, I've offended, my apologies. Here's my penance. <laughs> um, and the penance is, uh, I think, a great tool for agents when most agents will be interviewed by prospective seller on two occasions. The first occasion, uh, it's, hi, my name is, it's nice to meet you. You sit down, you get to know each other, and then you walk through the property. The second is, uh, an opportunity to talk about what the property is worth and why, and then answer any lingering questions. I will often, I, in fact, almost every single time, I will ask the sellers on my second interview, so can you tell me whether or not I left out anything, whether or not another agent may have uh, promised you something in terms of their marketing sure. that was different from mine? And I hear, I'd say 85% of the time, oh, well, all the marketing plans are the same. And I'm like, really? oh, I'm, yes. So I always say, oh, I'm so glad you said that. Well, let me just review what it is that we're doing. And regardless of the price point, we're doing a 3D tour. We happen to have the best real estate website in the area. We happen to bring more people into Rochester from outside of the area and help people to relocate into Rochester from outside of the area than any other team, any other real estate agent. So I start going through those and I, and I say, but your other agent, you know, is I happen to be the number one agent in the town of Pittsburgh, your other agent. And so when you start to go through all that, I think that's very important. So uh, I think that sellers, make sure you're paying close attention to what the marketing is. Uh, and agents, uh, if you're on the other end and you've got a second interview, make sure you're asking the sellers in case they've forgotten, how does my marketing plan stack up against the competition? Sure. And then finally, I think we should cover this uh, because it is a team effort to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. You want an agent who is connected with every other possible vendor you could use. Right. And that's really important. Well not, well, not only every other possible, we can get to that in a moment, but I think uh, 10 years ago, as teams were finally starting to become more and more mainstream, over the course of the past 10 years, let me, let me rephrase that, over the course of the past 10 years, I have seen that what, what, what was reluctance on the part of uh, those interviewing agents, oh no, I don't want to go with a team, and there was a reason why 10 years ago people were saying, I don't want to go with a team, because there was a very large team in town, oh. and this large team was just providing terrible service. They were doing very, very, very well, but it was, a, a congratulations, you sold a property, and they walk away and they go to sell the next, uh, the next property. So over the course of the past 10 years, it's been nice that... Uh, that sellers, that the, 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 the buying and selling public in general have come to understand the importance of a team and why it is that a team can really bring some great benefit. Sure. You've, you've got 
on our team, you've got multiple experts. You've got a, an expert in social media. You've got an expert in listing. You've got an expert in photography. Uh, you've got an expert in, uh, in, in making sure the transaction closes once the purchase offer is written. So I think that's very important for sellers to start to think about, well, all right, so it's you. But what other experts exactly. are you bringing to the yeah. table? And not only within the team, but back to your point, what other vendors do you have that might be able to help us out? A mortgage broker, for instance, who we can call at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night or at 6.45 in the morning on a Thursday. I think that's really, really important. The attorney also. Yes, huge. Absolutely. Uh, again, it takes uh, a whole team to get that done and done on time and done correctly. It takes a village. It, it truly, truly does. Is there anything that we miss? Any big things that are reasons why you need to interview multiple agents or things you should ask the agents that you are talking to? I just think that the m more honesty, the more that sellers are willing to tell their perspective, those that they're interviewing, what are their fears, what are their concerns, how quickly do they want to sell, all of those, why it is that they're selling, and then disclose who it is that you're interviewing. You know, why? I mean, yeah, why there, not? Yeah, there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't. I think that that's very important because the, the role of a seller in this moment is to derive as much information as possible. So um, I'm going to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly of the competition. So, sure. um, yeah. All right, so next week on the podcast, it ties in with uh, talking about having close relationships with vendors. Uh, this is a guy that actually this week responded to an email uh, that I looped him in with one of my clients at 10 p.m. on a oh, Wednesday. Wow, wow. Uh, that's the kind of guy that he is. Uh, Majua Kawai Bell from Genesee Regional Bank is going to be joining us. And I got to be honest, I'm a little threatened. Uh, vo voice envy. His, voice envy. He has, he has such a better radio voice than I do. I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated. I'm not going to lie. So, so are you fearful that he may transition from banking into radio? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. He could be hosting this podcast next I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, so we, uh, we will say no. He's a fantastic guy. A uh, ton of energy. Just super likable and works his tail off. Well, well it, it's, it's the reason. There are many reasons, but it's one of the big reasons why it is that He's the biggest mortgage broker in the area. Nobody is originating more mortgages than Majua. And we are so fortunate. We are so lucky to have uh, the close working relationship that we have with him. Anything that we need, any time of day, morning, afternoon, and night, he's, he's there for us and our clients. I'm... We, we, we are indebted to this guy. Absolutely. So it's going to be a fun time. Our very first guest in the podcast. That'll be next week. As always, you can find out more at marksiewiek.com, M-A-R-K-S-I-W-I-E-C.com. That's where our listings are. And uh, and it's going to be interesting, Mark. Uh, you're going to be off your, your Viking at that point, I hope, right? That's the plan? Uh, I, Maybe? I, I, I hope and pray to God. Yeah. If I'm not, an intervention may be in order. Okay. Okay. But, it, but it is, <laughs> to be very truthful, this is one of the reasons we got Majua coming on because God knows knows what my state of mind will be when it is that uh, that I'm next recording this podcast. Yeah. So You're not going to want to miss yeah. it. That I, will... Between now and then, will you be lowering or practicing uh, uh, your voice intonation? Uh, in, in edit, in, in post-prod, I can. I might raise his voice. I might pitch him up. You, you're going you're to pitch I'm him up? Petty. Okay. It's a petty pitch. That's okay. <laughs> what that is right there. <laughs> All right. That'll be next week with Open House with Mark Seawick and Corey James Moran. Thanks for listening.